podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. They could break here, Chelsea. This could be the moment. Frank Lampard for Chelsea. It's Carvalho to his right. Lampard for the title. Lampard, it's 2-0. It's Chelsea's championship. And 50 years of waiting have come to an end. Lampard comes out to Essien. Oh my goodness. It's a counter-attack. Here's Didier Drogba. And now Kedir in the middle. Drogba goes. Stretch it. Stretch it. Hello, welcome everyone to another episode of Chessie Hour. I am your host, Daniel Soft. I'm joined by two of our regulars, Babs and Tim. What are you saying, guys? Bless, happy to be on. Yeah, Babs, what are you saying, bro? Oh, man, what, what can I say, man? Can I say? We'll, we'll get into it. We'll get into it. We'll get into it. I think City gassed us. We beat Pep. To be fair, it was a rotated team. I think only four regulars played. But at that point, I feel like Chelsea fans everywhere, no one can say anything to us. We were on top of the world. But the problem is when you are there, right around the corner, there's always that thing that comes and humble you. And uh, we are recording this the day after we play Arsenal. And it feels like um, from the team that I grew up and we could never get a win against, because I'm a little bit older, we could never actually get a win against Arsenal. And then Roman Abramovich came in, Wayne Bridge scored that goal in the semi-final. And from then the tables turned and we treated them like small boys. That was the Drogba era where Drogba small boyed them for so long. And it came to the point where I was expecting nothing less than three points against Arsenal. And then... This new weird era where we can't, uh, yeah, we, we can't seem to um, beat Arsenal. It's, it's a weird one, but they've almost become a bogey team because we are still bigger than them, but we can't beat them. So I want to get straight into the freshest thing. I want to talk about the Arsenal match, first and foremost. Um, Tim, Babs, the first thing we want to talk about is the lineup going chronologically. Um, the lineup before, even before the lineup in the press conference, Tuchel kind of missed um, in his press conference, suggested that he's going to freshen up the lineup. He's going to make some changes. And just to go back to see, 
um, the fact that he said he was going to freshen up some legs and the fact that Hudson Odoi had a good back end to that game because he came on, had a great cameo. Tuhu came on the pitch. He was giving them the little kind of, you know, um, put him in the elbow and, and everyone was like, okay, cool. They seem to have a good relationship. He was almost doing that thing where Pep was talking to one of his players. I think Kimmich at Bayern Munich, those videos came out. And then the stories came out. Hudson Odoi, um, Tuchel wants to t- um, turn him into the next Neymar. So he was. Um, so Tuchel came out and said he was going to freshen the team. So when the lineup ca- came up, not just on Hudson Odoi, we'll start with you, Timpson. What was your thoughts about the lineup? Um, it was pretty solid. Um, not too much rotation. Um, a few people coming in. Glad to see Billy get um, a third start. But I think the biggest surprise was obviously no Hudson Odoi. Other than that, I thought it was um, I thought it was just a bit of minor rotation on Tuchel's side. No, no, more than enough to win the game. Okay, Babs, what was your thoughts lineup? My thoughts, boy, my thoughts are my thoughts are simple, man. Man's learning to be Neymar from the bench. <laughs> what else, what else can I what else can I really say? Like seeing Zuma on on the left side of the defense, it always worries me because. As we said on numerous occasions, he doesn't really suit this three at the back. You know, he's not exactly most comfortable on the ball. Other than that, I wasn't really a, a massive fan of um, the lineup because I didn't really see much in terms of like our actual like invention going forward. Because like, yeah, you have like a Pulisic, but he's not really a, he's not really a, a creative passer. As I said on multiple occasions, same for Mount. He, he has the ability to do it, but he's not he's not that. Kind of Kai as well is not really a creative pass. So having like a little nosy at Bruno Hudson, you know, to open up the creativity, it was it was bound to be a recipe for disaster, in my opinion. Not not only just that, but you look at the way we were we were just shaped. Like I felt as though it was it was nice having Gilmore on. And I thought I felt he was the better of the midfield, but I didn't really see the benefit of having him and Georgina on at the same time. Because they offer similar things to a different degree. The fact that I know Georgina can control a lot better, but I feel like with, with, with Gilmore on, you'll, you'll get more than enough control that you'll need against a team at Arsenal. Like they're not exactly going to press you. They're not going to. They're going to win the midfield battle. So for, for me personally, that was like the wrong like this. this. But um, yeah, let's uh, carry on regardless. Um, yeah. So um, the first half, I guess, Tim. So what, what were your thoughts in that first fifteen minutes? You know, it was quite a. A turbulent um, turn of events. You had the Kai Havertz miss, and you had the the blunder at the back. Yeah, when, yeah. So you can hear me, guys. So like the mistake. I want to talk about the mistake first. And basically, whose fault was it? Let's get into scapegoat analysis. One thing about Chelsea is we've been winning for a long time. I think people forgot how Chelsea can be like, especially the fans when we lose. And it's usually scapegoat analysis. Everyone's doing kind of like <laughs> fucking. Di- Detective analysis to find out who's to blame. And so um, we saw people doing analysis talking about, oh, actually, it's more Zoomers for actually it's more Jorginho's for Kepa's for et cetera, et cetera. So just to break down, Timson, from your angle, um, what happened and who was to blame? Yeah, I was like most people and initial thoughts was um, J5. Um, he got the ball under, he got the ball um, under pressure, albeit. 
but um, Kepa's made an angle, so he's got an easier out ball than having to rotate his body more to um, the actual goal where he actually passed it to. Then on second inspection um, and an article from The Athletic highlighting it, um, it was clear. Um, it was Kurt Zuma playing his teammates into trouble um, when he had two easy out balls in Billy Gilmore and um, Ben Chilwell but he opted to give it to Jorginho. I think that might be a case of uh, a, a, a retreat mechanism. So um, I've seen it with like Busquets and it wouldn't shock me if uh, Jorginho had said to this to him in the past. If you're not sure what to do, give me the ball. If you're under pressure, give me the ball. If um, you get the ball, just give me the ball. Don't worry. Under any circumstances, he's, he's just kind of pre-programmed to give it to Jorginho. And he gave it to him in a situation where he had two um, safer options. And that's what's ultimately led to the downfall. Baz, what are you saying on, on this situation? Um, personally, I don't really, I don't. I, I generally don't really care about this whole like blame game. You know, I, I feel like it's just something we do to divert it. You know, if, if you want to pick somebody's blame, it's got to be Jorginho for me. Because like, we, we saw a sign of it earlier on in the game. So literally a couple of minutes earlier, he tried that little turn. And they pressed him on it. So that's clearly something that they, they've been analysing. And the moment that um, Jorginho got the ball, you can see ESR pressed on him. And for me personally, the moment you make that pass, you can't be stationary. I'm sorry. You've got to be bursting. You've got to be bursting back to get into the box. And him and Zuma, you were just standing stationary. So, I mean, as much as people want to say, oh, Zuma, oh, Jorginho, well, it, 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 was, honestly, it was both of their faults. But if I'm to go with one person, it's got to be Jorginho because I didn't they, he made the pass to the middle of the goal when. Clearly, Kepa was nowhere near the middle of the goal. So, yeah. I'm sure if George, I'm sure if Jorginho knew, he wouldn't have done that. But scapegoat analysis, we have to do it because Chelsea fans do it. We don't necessarily have to do it, but we're going to do it. Who's responsible for us losing that game in general? Who would you say, Babs? The, the, the players. The yeah. players. I mean, like, you, you saw Havertz miss a, a, a massive chance early on. You know, we gave him his plaudits against Rodgers when he tried the chip. Mm-hmm. And thankfully, you know, Werner got a, got got the goal. You know, this time he tried it again. It didn't work. And well, you, you've got to, you've got to really get onto him there. Um, again, throughout that game's poor. Um, I didn't really feel that Reese offered us much going forward, other than a, a couple of safe passes. Pulisic, you know, a couple wayward dribbles didn't really do much other than that. I feel like Mount was a bit of a passenger. He, he, he tried a couple of things. You know, he maybe should have got a goal, which I'm um, holding your blocks with his hands. Have a, see, I just want to know, know whose fault it is, perhaps. I don't. Yeah, I the players. I've, I've, said, I've said the players. I've said the okay, players. So, so, so the players in general, Tipson, because Tuchel blamed himself. And we talked about the goal itself, but in general, whose fault is it for that loss, would you say? Um, I would probably say it's a combination of partly the manager, but partly the players who um, individual errors and they didn't have the fortitude to uh, come back like they did against City. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so I'd probably say a 60-40 split. Too cool for the team selection and his in-game um, changes were a bit were ineffective for the most part. Then 40% to the players for a combination of the individual errors and the lack of fighting spirit to get back into the game because that's exactly what Arsenal wanted in regards to um, getting that goal and just frustrating our, frustrating Chelsea. So so we'll talk about the lineup if we're going to put it on two four. Um, 
because you mentioned there is a share of Tuchel as well, and Tuchel said he blamed himself a bit too. Let me see if I can run through the lineup. But what was interesting is Tuchel said on reflection that he did try to freshen up the teams, but maybe he made a mistake because he should have carried on with the momentum from the winning team against Man City. So I'll just quickly rip, um, run through the team against Man City. Mendy played, then the back three was Aspi, Christensen, Rudiger, a double pivot of Kante and Gilmore, Reese James and Marcus Alonso, the wing backs, Ziyech and Pulisic, the supporting attackers, and Werner up front. Coming to Arsenal, the players that came in was Havertz, it was Mount, it was Pulisic, no, so Pulisic played our game, and then it was Chilwell, it was Zuma, it was Jorginho, and then it was Kepa. So who do you think that Tuchel's talking about in terms of, I made a mistake by, you know, not playing the players. I think, do you think there's any particular player that Tuchel wished that he played from the Man City game in the Arsenal game? Yes, Rudiger. Um, I'm not sure if you, if anyone's seen the Monday Night Football analysis of how um, our three at the back becomes a 4-2-3-1 with Rudiger being tactically aware enough to push up onto the third midfielder and become um, a, double, a double pivot as um, some as one of the midfielders pushes up. And Zuma, I don't think he's got the um, tactical nails to constantly shift. Mm-hmm. Uh, normally when he's played out, um, outside of that middle centre-back position, it's been to do a job on a physical player um, in the likes of a Dominic Calvert-Lewin. And I think um, that tactic with the game being more about tactics and frustration and us having more possession, being mm-hmm. fluid in possession was key. And I just didn't think um, Zuma had the fluidity uh, required to kind of shift that shift that back three into um, a double pivot with whoever was holding in midfield whilst the other midfielder pressed on. Cool. So you think it's Zuma, Babs, do you feel like it was Zuma as well? And do you think there's any other players that he was, you know, thinking actually was a mistake for um, I'm trying to think. Uh, I, I don't know. I feel like it, it sounds like excuses to me personally, but mm-hmm. it probably it probably would be Zuma just in terms of the comfortability to play in the position. But for me personally, it just feels like excuses. It feels like excuses. What I'd say is the first person that he took off is Gilmore. Now, Babs kind of, you alluded to the fact that you feel like Gilmore should have stayed on. If anyone came off, it should have probably been Jorginho. To be fair, I watched the match back. I disagree. I think... I don't, I don't particularly think that Gilmore had a great game. Um, it's weird for me because there's this dissonance with Gilmore. As much as I like him as a player, and I've always kind of liked him. I do feel like, in my opinion, his performances get hyped up. So he might be neat on the ball, but I didn't see anything special from yesterday. I think both Jorginho and Gilmore, this is just my opinion. Don't forget, if we think about the Arsenal lineup, Arsenal matched us. And the two people that they played behind the strikers were midfielders. But... So they're supposed to be attacking midfielders in, in terms of Emil Smith-Rowe and Odegaard. But both of them was playing as like almost DM sometimes, central midfielders. So that midfield was so packed in terms of having El Nini and Party, and then Odegaard and ESR, who both, they didn't play like attacking midfielders. A lot of times they was deeper and it was springing forward. It was very difficult for a Gilmore and a Jorginho, who usually we have a Kovacic or a Kante that can dribble through the middle, that has the pace to do that. Um, but they were trying to pass through and it was difficult for both of them. It was difficult and even pressing, like, don't forget they have four midfielders with energy. It was difficult for us to progress through the middle. I don't blame either of them, 
Kante was injured, so I'm not going to blame Tuchel for not playing Kante. The goal on the counter-attack, great. Uh, so which which means the chances that we had before the goal and um, the maybe the penalty decision are big game changers, um, particularly the Havertz one-on-one, because if we take the lead, it's a completely different game. And I feel like we win that comfortably because they can't um they they have to come out and play and we and we beat them if they if they if they become more expansive agreed you could just tell that that, that was technically their game plan you know we were suppress on our two our two midfielders when when they were in around our penalty box and hopefully nick a nick a goal and yeah so um yeah so i mean going on a bit more to the to the first half teams and you know we saw the kai havertz chance you know we, we didn't really see much outside of that how, how do you think we approach the game do you think we approach it in the, in the right way yeah, with teams that are going to sit in front of the ball, the fluidity of um, a front three uh, that can interchange and can be a problem. So the uh, with that, there's no one more fluid um, than our 9.5 in Kai Havertz. Uh, so I thought him being, being involved makes sense. But it's, um, I don't know, people will now say that this is, you see what happens when Timo Werner's not in the squad. But um, I, I struggle to see what impact Timo would have had, especially agreed. since Pulisic was playing. Agreed, agreed, agreed. Because I, I do feel like a lot of people have said he's been our best attacker this season. I do think there is an element of truth to that, I guess, you know, in terms of impacts, you know. Um, on, in our pre-match and preview on the Patreon, guys, remember, check out the Patreon. Um, Lewis said allude to the fact that holding is there to be pressed at, you know, and to not have a player to, to pressing was um it's quite surprising because really and truly I'm, I know Mount's a pressing guy, but Mount played on the on, on the right at times and you had Pulisic there and he wasn't really doing much as a pressing. So I mean I, I guess I guess I guess we'll have to see another day. What do you what do you think, Dan? Um so yeah, just in, in terms of our attack, which we can turn to quickly, um I think with Mount a lot of the chances came to Mount, actually. I know a lot of people are going to focus on the Havertz um, chance where he wins the ball and then he kind of gallops and he doesn't have the composure. Because one thing we do expect with Havertz is to have the composure at the end of it. But um, again, we've said this before, when we focus too much on one chance, that shows that actually there was bigger problems. So I'm not going to put that on Havertz anyway. But I think um, what people don't realise is Mount had quite a lot of chances. And this is not to say that Mount didn't do well enough. I'm just saying that the ball felt, especially in that first half, like the ball was falling to Mount. That's not a bad thing. What was interesting is that substitution where Mount had to drop back. I think that was the wrong move from Tuchel. Since all of the chances were falling to Mount, there was, there was like four to five different times where Mount was put through on that wing, whether it's by Havertz, I think Havertz slipped him through, Pulisic slipped him through, and it was in the box. And, the, and most of them he got on target and the keeper kind of saved it. And I was thinking, actually... What Tuchel done there just didn't make sense to me with the Hudson-Odoi sub. And this Hudson-Odoi thing, because we'll, we'll talk about Hudson-Odoi maybe now, because since we're talking about attack, but this Hudson-Odoi um, whole moving him away from wing-back into these twin-10 positions, I think previously when we was playing against smaller teams and Hudson-Odoi was wing-back, we had four attackers and we could overload these defensive teams that sit back because we had four attackers. And in this game, we are the aggressor. We're better than Arsenal. Arsenal, everybody expects us to win this match. And I've been saying it time and time again. I want to see us against these teams play four attackers. And so it didn't go well in the first half. 
And if there was any change that I wanted him to make, I want Hassan Doi to come on, yes, but I want him to come on wing back. I want him to come on wing back. So we have four attackers. And Hudson Adoye, what happened then when he takes Gilmore off and then Mount goes into midfield and Hudson Adoye is playing in his twin tens? Because we, we understand apparently that he's been training with Tuchel to play in this position. Now we've got Mount Project CM or the project guy in the double pivot and we've got Hudson as the project guy in the twin tens. Whereas why not just play Hudson Adoye wing back so we can overload this team that is sitting back and then have Mount who ha- was getting all of the chances in the first half continuing getting those chances and maybe one can go in. So I was really actually disappointed with that. But obviously in this, maybe he's not thinking and it's like, do you know what I'm saying? It's easy to, for me to go back and watch it and then make these decisions. But I do think that we missed the trick leaving Mount in that attack because he was the one that the chances was falling to. The chances weren't falling to Pulisic. Havertz had that one chance that everyone's going about. It's just one chance. He made it himself and yes, he should have scored. But I think most of the chances actually was coming through Mount. Um, so yeah, I think Mount. I think Mount did well enough, um, especially in that first half. That's what I remember. He was getting at the end of chances. Um, they were all at the. Um, yeah, they were not. They weren't necessarily all at the keeper, but obviously we didn't score from him. But I think that we um, attack wide, attacking wise, it was difficult to get into the game. Havertz plays well when he comes deeper, gets involved in the game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. We couldn't do that. They was playing four central midfielders. Those other two weren't attacking the foot. They were playing for The middle was congested. And our wide areas, we had two fullbacks. So I feel like Tuchel got it wrong. I asked you guys the question, who do you blame? Tuchel took the blame. I blame Tuchel. But listen, he's got most things right. So I'm not really going to, you know, I'm not going to. But I feel like this has been one of the first L's where we can kind of just say, okay, cool, actually. We've given him a lot of praise. Actually, I feel like you could have done this better. I think that he could have done a lot better, even in terms of that substitution. That substitution, I thought the substitution was wrong. And I do think, getting back to Hudson Adoy, the fans are weird. Everyone's weird. He came on, had a great cameo against Man City. Everyone's eulogising. He can't have a bad game, even if he's like 45 minutes, he can't have a bad game. Was he the only one to have a bad game? Pulisic was on most of the match. What did he do? You know what I'm saying? Like, it's, it's so weird with Hudson Adoy. And um, I, feel, I feel for the lad. And I feel like at this point, it's, there's a question of whether he should stay or go because I feel like anything he does do well, there's goldfish memory from the fans. It goes out the window. He can, and, it's, and I think it's the same with Jorginho, to be fair, just in Chelsea fans in general. Jorginho has been playing great. One bad mistake. All of a sudden, he's the worst selling. Gilmore made the mistake for the penalty in the last Man City game. Now everyone's saying, yeah, getting rid of him, just play Gilmore like, we can't be like that at fans. You can't have goldfish memory. But in terms of attack, we all know it's an issue. So, yeah, obviously, I've just gone on a rant. What, what, what are you guys saying? Uh, I'm going to say I agree with you um, in, some, in most of what you said. This was the first game that we could point Tuchel and Tuchel's raised his hand and said he got it wrong. Uh, even with the in-game subs... He said that he took off Gilmore purely for tactical reasons to have an offensive-minded midfielder there and uh, Mason's better from distance. Um, to be honest, I thought it was harsh because Billy was progressive in his passing um, and he was confident trying to get on the ball in a at a time where people were frustrated because um, Arsenal's 
um, mid to low block was so was so tight and hard to break through. But this was a player trying to make things happen with his passing range. So taking him off, um, I understand the logic in it, but um, even still, it feels um, it didn't feel like the right corner, and it still doesn't feel like the right decision after uh, with the explanation. His in-game subs are bringing on Giroud, who's rusty as anything. When was the last time you saw Giroud play? Um, very much, a, it's just very much a gamble um, in that. And he said it afterwards, like with Hudson Odoi too. Uh, he's like, oh, um, I hope these guys could um, bring something and at least help us get a point. Um, the gamble paid off against Man City because you can't expect a player who's not been given the minutes, who's been um, moved to uh, wing back, who's been moved to the 10, um, very inconsistent, very sporadic with his minutes um, to come on and consistently give you what he gave you against City. So um, that makes sense. And Giroud's even um, if, and that applies even more to Giroud. I struggle um, and I agree with what you're saying about Callum Hudson-Odoi because all of a sudden I, I just searched his name on Twitter whilst the game was going on and people were just like, the same accounts that were literally like, oh, Cho was great. Um, they're like, what is, he, what, what is he actually good at? What, is, what does he do? And I was just so surprised at how fickle people can be. I know we talked about this on um, the, the weekly roundup um, a few weeks ago about having favourites in your team, which is fine, but not to the extent where you need to put down players um, who are rivals for their for the position in the starting eleven. And Pulisic escapes a lot of criticism from the majority of the fan base. And um, stuff that if he dropped similar performances to Hudson Odoi, I think I think the fan base would be a lot more forgiving. Um, but and what he's given us when he has been on form outside of post lockdown, aka playoff Pulisic, um, I'm not sure it warrants that level of that level of um, leeway with the fans. I hear that. I hear that. So perhaps obviously we're talking about attack in general. You heard what I've had to say. You've heard what Tipson had to say. The attack in general, and then Hudson-Odoi, what's your thoughts? Mm, I think it's interesting because I, I just think it just screams that the problems that I still think we have in our attack in terms of our, having like a clear creator and a clear goal scorer, like I still think it's a bit muddled at the moment. And when, when, and when, and when things are such like so messy, you look at the first player that's on the field making mistakes and, you, and you just, you're just quick to blame them. You know, like people did it with Mal. People have done it with Pulisic. People have done it with Cho now. The people have done it with Ziyech, you know, when Ziyech was having a tough time earlier this season. And I feel like as fans, we could be quite reactionary at times because as you said, you know, the same people that were utilising over Cho against City, you know, the, the, these are the same people that are saying, oh, what does he offer? You know, he has no end product. You know, the same guys that were screaming to play for, at right wing back, you know, um, they, they're, they're, now, they're now complaining about him playing. And I mean, I don't think it's something to really harp over on about, you know, it's, the season's coming towards the end, you know, we've got a couple more important games coming up. And personally for me, I'm just hoping that the players re remain in focus, you know, for the for the main goals, because these last three, four games are, are real finals, you know. I feel like this is probably like a, it was like a little like trip in, trip in the road, you know, similar to that West Brom game. But hopefully similar to West Brom, we, we bounce back and get that dub, you know, like I'm just hoping that we, we can react positively. Um, if if I'm to talk about like the, the people the way people react to Cho, I feel like I feel like obviously it's unfair, you know. I just I don't know. Like I feel like as I said before, fans are very reactionary, and I, I'm I'm not surprised that this has happened because when when there's no like clear defined like leader in the team in terms of, like who's going to be our goal scorer, who's going to be our chance creator, 
you just look at any other player that's that's playing, if you get what I mean. Like it's it's like when we're strongly created in our midfield, people are like, oh, why doesn't Jorginho create? Or even me at times, I'm like, oh, you know, Kobe gets the position, he should make better passes. And I feel like when when you expect players who who don't usually do X thing to do them, you, sh- you shouldn't really be surprised when they don't do it. I think I think that's like that's that's like obviously, Babs, you know I've got love for you, but I think it's a gang of excuses in terms of the fan base and how they're reacting. I think I get it. Football fans are emotional. This is why the, the fan, the sport is so like, you know, electric because of that emotion. I get it. Um, 45 minutes he came on. Do you know what I'm saying? 45 minutes. He hasn't been playing regularly. Regardless of um, if it's something fans do, it's not right. It's not right. Giroud isn't sharp. Like, do you know what I'm saying? The fact that he had a good cameo against Man City doesn't guarantee anything. Even that he's playing in a position he hasn't played regularly yet. I feel like, I feel like, so there's, there's a question that I want to ask both of you. Because I know, Timson, you're a big Hudson Doy fan. And I'm seeing questions about his quality, which is fair. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, you might see a young player think they're good. And then after seeing them more, thinking, oh, actually, they're not as good as you initially thought. So my question to you is, are you, on seeing more parts of the door, are you less impressed? Do you feel like, actually, when when he came through, you you thought he was a, maybe a, a top talent, but now he's kind of downgraded? We'll start with you, Babs, we'll go to Tim. Um, not really, to be honest with you. I'm, I'm, seeing a, I'm, seeing, I'm still seeing the same similarities, so like the, the ability to create. The only thing that, that hasn't really transferred over is obviously the shooting thing, but I don't know. I'm not really surprised considering he hasn't really had much time to develop, hasn't really had like a run of like solid games to play, even in his position, you know. I'm pretty sure he's probably had more, more a run a longer run of games a right wing back when he's had a left wing. So really and truly, I, I still haven't really I've still not yet to make a definitive judgment in the in the senior game, but hopefully he gets a, a run of games eventually to to make me have that kind of like judgment on him. Okay, so you skated the question, but Tipson, I'll ask you. Outright, because you're a big cousin of Doy fan, I feel like I really know your answer. But are you now kind of having to adjust your ratings of Hudson of Doy after obviously seeing him more? Because I know that the Chelsea fan base were putting him up as a wonder kid. You know, there were terms like generational used, etc. etc. Um, we're seeing other young players, obviously, they're kind of excelling, but they may have more of a platform. When it comes to the squad for the internationals, the squad's been increased to 26. And you'd hope for the type of talent he is that he'd have the, you know, the chance to get in. Now it could be just platform, but I'm asking you, Timson, have you adjusted your ratings downwards of Hudson Doyle the more you've seen of him in the adult game? Um, honestly, no. Um, I. As you know, I'm someone. I'm one of those people with a passion for under twenty three football. So I watched Hudson Odoi probably more than most people at academy level, and I had an understanding uh, of what he could bring to the squad. Um, I was I was like Babs, and I thought he could contribute with a lot more goals. Um, but that hasn't translated into senior football. But I'm well aware that. Um, everything that a player does at academy level won't always translate into the senior football. So I always had an open mind in terms of, I know what he could possibly bring through, but what he could act, what he eventually does bring through to senior level is different. Um, I'm also, 
I also take into consideration the context in regards to minutes, the changing of managers, tactics, um, injuries, and um, just uh, the struggles to get consistent game time. And uh, I've seen what he's done when he's been trusted, um, whether that's with Sari, where he, before the Achilles injury, he was trusted um, when he was making those cameo appearances um, and doing and doing the bits under Lampard to the point where Lampard couldn't not start him. Or when he when Tuchel first came in and he was doing a job at right right wing back um i don't think it's a, an issue with his ability i think it's um a combination of application trust and um like and just the and just that that freedom um that confidence to say you're that guy he's not got a jody morris or joe edwards um at senior level football going you're the guy uh, he's got that under 21 level and he's still one of the most feared players at that level. You'd hope he, I know competition on the left flank is very, very tight in the England squad. And to be honest, even if he had like a, a, a top tier season, like he hit like uh, double figures and got a couple of goals, got a couple of assists. I think um, the, the plan would have always been for him to have gone with the under 21s anyway, had they qualified. So um, I'm not even thinking about the England reckoning right now. I just want Hudson, I'd always be the best Hudson Adoy at club level, but to answer your question again, no. Okay. I just feel like there's a lot um, that's kind of worked against him, unfortunately. Okay, so I'll take the time to pat myself on the back because Hudson Doyle coming through from youth football, I literally said that we had this discussion with Meads. <laughs> I don't think I can verify, I think my account's gone, but I had this discussion with Meads, Meads will remember, and, I, and we had the argument. I said, Hudson Adoy shooting isn't good enough at this point. It can grow and it can get better. This is before he made his debut. Obviously, he made his debut at 17, I think. I said, I think he's a creator. I think that's what people are going to see. I think that his shooting needs to develop and I believe it can develop. I watched him in youth football too, not necessarily regularly. And I do know that he can score. And I think even in adult football, he's shown that he can score. But I definitely feel like he doesn't have variation in shooting. I think what's difficult it is for Hudson Odoi, in the era where there's so many, where goal scorers now are, are um, inverted wingers, and most people are right-footed, that left wing position is one of the most coveted places for attackers in terms of cutting in and shooting. And I feel like actually, in terms of ramping up his goals, and I said this before to Babs, I remember the, the little game, and I was saying that um, he can score from the right, and he did score from the right from that little game. But when you play him on the left, because what he's most comfortable in, in terms of his route to goal, is the cutting and shot, like he did against Bayern, Grant was offside, like he's done against West Brom, et cetera, et cetera. He's got that finish. He's got that finish. The fact that he's not playing there, that kind of hampers him. What he has been, he's always kind of had in his game to get that kind of far post tap in as well. But if you're going to see Hudson Odoi scoring, it's most likely him going to be on the left cutting in. So I understand that. The fact that he's playing on the right, that's going to accentuate the fact that he's more of a creator even more. Back to Tuchel quickly. I'm disappointed once again. I just have to kind of say it again. I'm disappointed that he didn't take this opportunity to play four attackers against a team that was going to sit back against us. We know what Arteta is. We are the aggressor. Back to hudson Doy tipson You are saying that you still believe in this guy as a top talent. To be fair, I feel like if he was showing the best, I watched the video of Hudson Odoi against, I think it was Serbian Montenegro when he made his international debut. Even Hudson Odoi before the game had started, 
the aura of him was different. I feel like football has shaken him. That when you look at his face, and maybe I put the video up on the Chelsea account, the confidence in him was crazy. And when I say the confidence, I'm not talking about on the ball or anything like that. Just looking at him, you could tell this was someone that didn't doubt himself whatsoever as a player and his talent. The injuries, the managers, the, the lack of playing compared to everybody else. If you look at him now, he's been completely humbled and that's not necessarily a good thing for an attacker. I think Chelsea hasn't been a great environment for, for hudson Um, But what I want you to explain, Timson, if you think he's his top talent, a lot of people are asking, why is he a top talent? What makes him a top talent? What do you see that makes him a top talent? So can you explain it um, to the audience, please, Timson? All right, first, let me address um, what you said about him. Pre-injury and post-injury is um, two different Callum Hudson-Odoi's. This is a guy who's kind of been scouted. Um, the world is his oyster. Um, there's nobody who could touch him in terms of even Foden and Sancho's City couldn't touch um, Callum's Chelsea. Uh, so he had this. He's had this un unshakable confidence that he's the guy. He's the guy. Um, and even when he, even when he put, when he made his cameos under Conte, he um, he tore apart Bellerin. He had a swagger about it. He had a swagger about him. And um, even under Sari, I would say Sari kind of um, drilled some of drill some of that um, arrogance out, the arrogance and that swagger out of him um, because he's like, he's not playing my football. Um, but it was still there to an extent when he was facing up defenders. But that injury is such a big game changer because you want to watch that documentary, that YouTube short when he comes back um, and he talks about, will I be able to run the same? Will I be able to feel the same? And I still very much feel like he's adjusting. It wasn't it um, this season that he still said in the, in one of the more, more recent international breaks that he's still getting to grips with it. So um, I feel like that's the biggest issue. That's the biggest issue. Overcoming like meant the, the psychological bound hill, which is the injury and feeling like I am Callum. I am still explosive. I am still that guy. Then, um, coming with that confidence and um, doing what the manager wants within his team system is the issue. Um, you can ask any scout, um, you, like I could pull out quotes from a variety of people who've seen him play um, and like it explains itself why he's a top talent. His, um, his dribbling, his movement, his pace, his finishing at youth level, um, and his and, and his eye for a pass. Uh, this is all stuff that has been seen at youth level. Um, it's just a matter of um, trying to get as much of as of it as possible to translate into senior football. And he's had obstacles with that. He's had injuries. He's had um, a revolving door of managers with completely different styles of football. And he's had confidence knockbacks. Not to mention the stuff going on in his um, in his private life. This was a guy obviously who had that. Um, sexual assault allegation going on so he's had a lot going on in his in his footballing career for a young man um and he's only 20 years old he's literally only 20 years old so um there's still so he and and he's he's gone through so much and he and he can and he's still got such a high ceiling um and and he's gone through so much at, at such a young age so um 
in a, in, in a long and short of it, um, everything that made him special and made everybody at the academy take notice of him and make him the first one to break in to, to break through um, like before the, the the Frank Lampard revolution is still there. It's just a matter of confidence, getting that confidence and swagger back being more direct um, after feeling like he is back to himself in terms of mentally feeling, feeling hundred percent the old cow with his injury and um, kind of being, being his best possible self within Tuchel's system. Perhaps. To be fair, Tipson, I'm not sure you've convinced many people with that. I can't lie. I'm not sure because I did ask you to kind of, I just wanted you to say, okay, cool. This is the column that I've seen. This is why I think he could be, top talent and I know like you kind of just you're trying to explain the context but for me listening I believe that a listener that doesn't like Hudson Doy I'm a Hudson Doy fan I don't necessarily think they're convinced but Babs do you feel but, like uh, sorry sorry Dan so yeah. um an informed Callum Hudson Doy is dangerous on the um as a creator he's uh, a goal threat mm-hmm. um he occupies multiple defenders up because of because of his options, his ability to go inside and out. He's a dangerous crosser of the ball. Um, you haven't seen it at first team level, but he's even very adept at set pieces. Um, he's able to play across the front three, like left wing, right wing striker. Um, and he's just he, he's just a mood maker. He can he's one of, he he's your X factor player. So you give him the ball and he will make the rest happen. Um, if you want to see that, his last game is the last time he um, basically a swan song in the FA Youth Cup where Chelsea were the second leg against Arsenal. The last time we won it, um, he literally took over the show. He scored a couple goals, a free kick. He just ran the show. That is Callum Hudson-Odoi at his best. And we need to try and and, and that and if we could get um, even like... 70 to 80 percent of that player at senior level you will see a talent that um will be will be talked about in terms of Ballon d'Or shortlists fair enough to be fair I feel like I feel like even in adult football he showed quality I personally think if I'm to do trying to convince the audience which I'm not necessarily trying to do because if you don't rate me don't rate him you've got your own eyes you're a Chelsea fan but what I'd say is personally before I quickly move on to the next subject Hudson-Odoi, I feel like we play better with him on the field a lot of the time. Things didn't go well for him in this cameo where he had to come into the match and do a rescue job. But the, the chance that he passed to Pulisic, that, you know, Pulisic could have scored at, you know, he, again, there was the, 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 some of the stuff that was happening, Hudson-Odoi was in, like, the root of. There was a, a chance where it was just a little bit offside, he didn't have a good game. I'm not trying to say he had a good game, but I feel like maybe not at Chelsea, but I do feel like this player, when he gets regular football, a lot of people will see how consistent he is in terms of contributing to attacks and making the team play better. Babs, I was going to ask you a bit more about Hudson Doyle, but I'm, I'm, I know it's that we've spent too long on it. So, Werner, you do not like Werner. However, I'm sure you've seen the stats that we play better with Werner and a lot of people said we were stale yesterday. We didn't have energy yesterday. Mount was playing. Granted, we didn't have Kante in midfield. But do you feel like we need Werner? Credit Karma has always been there to help you make better financial decisions. And now they want to help you even more. 
With a Credit Karma Money Spend account, you can be rewarded for good money habits. Credit Karma Money is a brand new checking account where you can win cash reimbursements for making purchases. Just pay with your debit card, and if you win, you'll be notified on the spot, and your Instant Karma cash will be added back to your spend account. Open your FDIC-insured spend account for free. There's no minimum balance requirements, no overdraft fees, and free withdrawals from a network of over 50,000 ATMs. And when you make a purchase between June 8th and June 30th, you'll automatically be entered to win $1 million. Right now, visit creditkarma.com backslash win money to open your free account and start winning instant karma. Go to creditkarma.com backslash win money to sign up for free and start winning. That's creditkarma.com slash win money. Instant Karma is sponsored by Credit Karma. No purchase necessary. Exclusions and terms apply. See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply. Uh, in terms of him, the, the, the thing, the, that stat about us winning most games about him, I think it's, it's a bit of a tainted one because when you think about it, he's literally played every single game bar a couple. Like if I'm to pick up the, the last couple of games he hasn't played, that'll be what, the, the Crystal Palace game like in, in the league. So, I mean, I feel like that's kind of like one of those stats where it's kind of like, it's, it's a bit misleading, you know. But um, in terms of his importance, I, I do feel like he, he, serve, he serves a role if a team is playing a, high, a higher line they what lived they what um an Arsenal would have played, Arsenal would have played them. Sorry, um, but in that game, you know, what once they once they gone one nil up, I w- I'm not exactly sure what he would have offered. You know, personally, you know, there wasn't really much space to get him behind. There were a couple moments where we we could have got him behind, and so for instance, like the, the, a couple of cutbacks, which he's good at. Mm-hmm. He probably may have had a better execution, but for me personally, if you've got to rely on a player like Timo, no offense, like if you got around him, that 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 just that there's a lot more problems for our attack. For me personally, if we missed anybody yesterday, it would have been it would have been a ZH. You know, like, like when he came on in, in that in that um, cameo, we, we saw a lot more of what we were hoping for at the beginning of the season. You know, he was a lot more measured in his passing. You know, he made an excellent pass from Cho that um Bellerin done very, very well to um, to clear off, to clear away. And he was he was he was very positive when he came on. And I feel like if we were to miss anybody, it would have been someone like him. You know, he was actually going to be a critical. As I mentioned earlier on in the show, I, I didn't feel like you're going to get much creation from either of those front three. You may get like micro bits of it, but when it comes to like, the hard, like core, the core values of just playmaking, I, I know, and I know that people call him a brute force attacker, but I feel like w- without somebody like that there, you're gonna you're gonna miss you're gonna miss out a lot, and that's one of the things that um, that probably we're probably going to get onto later on the show with one of the listeners' questions. Okay, um, Timson, do you have anything on Vernon before we move on? Yeah, just one thing. Um, people are saying that he's had a really good season um, despite the initial stumble. Um, he's not what we expected. We we all know this by now. He's not the, the goal scorer we hoped he would be. But um, when we talk about Werner, um, goal contributions or goals and assists comes up. But um, this is a man with 12 goals um, with an expected um, with an expected goals of 18. So uh, don't be fooled, basically, is all I'll say. Don't be fooled. No, can you give me a little bit more? I know you said that's all you'll say, but tell us why we shouldn't be fooled again. Are you, what are you suggesting? Say it explicitly. I should, we, we should expect more than what he's given us, even yeah. after... So even in this current guise of he's more of a creator and just a guy who's who does what he can for the team and supports, we should still be getting a better um, goal scoring output than than we've got from him. True. Um, 
I will say this is obviously his first season in the Premier League. He, we, he may, if this is his base game, and then next season, I'm not promising that will happen, but next season he finds his shooting boots, then isn't that a good player? Babs, because you're one of the ones that, you know, you're done with him. But don't you see that actually there might be hope that mm. in this first yeah, season... It's, 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 not a good, it's not a good player as a good goal scorer. Because a lot of like, the fundamentals are, they're not exactly there in his game. You know, like, he may have this cut, the cut, the random cutbacks, but there's so many moments where, like, he, he's so short of a pass, he's dribbling off. And although that's not, like, although, like, a lot of people say, oh, that's what you expect for a striker. For me personally, like, I've, I, I don't know, like, my core principles have always been, I need technical security in, in my front line. And I, I'm not exactly a, a massive fan of just having a striker that's just, just going to be there to, to simply score goals, unless you're scoring 30. Like, you have to be, you have to be, a one in one or a three and four type of strike for for me for me to be, to, to be doing that because if you're not um, supplementing the, the game and um, and actually contributing to the team in other ways and you're being a hindrance in some aspects, I feel like it kind of like weighs weighs against each other. So like for me, unless he's scoring thirty, you know, or f- in and around two and three, three and four, mm-hmm. I, I I don't really see much much value much value in him as a footballer overall, and, and it's quite worrying because. At, um, at Leipzig, and a lot of people—I don't know if a lot of people like follow me on Twitter—but I've I followed him for like the last two seasons. And the season before last, he had a bit of a turbulent season. Like he, there, there were signs like this of um, him being a bit technically unfunny. But last season, one of the things that really impressed me was just how clearly he struck the ball. You know, his runs—he was a lot more inventive. His runs—I feel like now a lot of people say his, his runs are dangerous, but for me personally. As I've said on numerous occasions in our, in our group chat, his runs are basic. He's just running in behind. And what, what I mean by that is that you look at Ed, Edison Cavani, you know, that he, he will, sometimes he'll cut in or he'll, and he'll cut back out in the last second and completely lose the defender. And Cavani's on his last legs. You know, he's barely faster than, than Asby. And you can just see that, that that level of movement from a striker is something that we need up top. And as, as, as nice as it is to have like this player that's fast, going to win you penalties, you know, he's bad touch, going to win a couple of penalties. For me personally, I feel like we're at a stage where like, if the striker's not technically secure, you've got to be scoring at an elite rate ratio. And I'm not sure if he's going to be able to do that for us. So at this point with this squad, like go with, we've got some big games coming up. Mm-hmm. Are you starting Bernard if you're picking the lineup since you mm-hmm. had all of these issues with these things? It's a worrying one because if I look at Leicester, the way they, they set up, it would be similar. It wouldn't be similar to Arsenal, but it would be similar to Arsenal, the fact that they play that three at the back. But theirs is quite different, the fact that they've got three out, outright shooters up top. And if I'm looking at their back three, Averna against Fafana. I don't know about you guys, but I, I wouldn't look forward to that because Fafana, he's, he's not a slow guy. You know, he's quite quick. You know, he, he did a good, he did a wonderful lock, lock-up job against Rashford twice, twice in a row this season. So for me personally, I'm not sure if we first to get the better of him there. So I wouldn't play him in the final. Um, so you wouldn't play him in either final? No, I said I wouldn't play against Leicester. Against and Leicester I'm asking you about both. I'm asking you about Against um, okay, City, I feel like City, City, they're a lot more to be got on that because Diaz is good, but he's not as quick as a Fafana. And we've already seen him against City twice this season where he's, he's added value in terms of like his cutbacks and getting in behind. So he does so add that, value. Yeah, he does. But I'm talking about like it, depending on like, the opposition, you know, like when, when you have a faster centre like, like a Fafana who's going to be able to go 1v1 with him, I'm not sure if he's going to get the better of him. Versus no. a, a City, 
you have like Laporte and um, and Diaz there who are as quick. I'm sure you'll probably get get the better of them. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Okay. All right. Okay. Um, unless anyone has anything else to add on Ferner, um, I'm going to talk about some transfer rumors. Just rattle them through. I don't know, Babs. You've got the listeners' questions. If there's anything in terms of transfer rumors, you kind of chuck it into. So we've been linked with a couple of players in attack. I think is indicative of the fact that we are struggling in attack. So um, Lukaku's been linked. Haaland's been linked. Both of those have been said, actually, they might be difficult. Now we're linked with wingers, Salah, Sancho. I don't think we've been linked with Grealish, but he's available for 80 million. Um, even a move for Eden Hazard. So in that kind of attacker role that we've been linked with those three or four players, give me your opinion on the players we've been linked to. And then also, if you was making a decision, what would you do? We'll start with Babs, then we'll go back to Tim. Um, so you guys know I'm a massive fan of Sancho, man. For me personally, that'd be like the perfect guy to have at the left-wing side because he offers you both in terms of the goals and assists. And one of the things that Sancho has to his game is that elite decision-making that I don't think we have in the front line at the moment. You know, Mount can be a bit erratic at times. Pulisic can go missing for three quarters of the season and then suddenly come up for playoff season. And I feel like although Sancho has those inconsistencies as well as we've seen this season, I feel like if we were to, if we were to persist with him, versus what we have in our attack, we'll, we'll be getting a lot more of a consistent um, decision-making. If you wanted to show and test it, um, in terms of like the, the player that's playing the league, I feel like Grealish is, a, is an obvious choice. You know, his creation numbers this season have been absolutely otherworldly. Other, other and just to see like how far he's progressed, you know, like, like people were literally doubting him, you know, just when, when he first came into the league. A lot of people were saying that, oh, Madison is better. Personally, I, I was never in that camp. And, I feel like with a Grealish, what he offers you there will be that ball progression that um, a Pulisic just offers, but he would offer the, the better in terms of um, the final pass, you know. And when you have a player like that um, creating chances for the the guys up top, there's going to be so much volume that you're, <laughs> they're going to eventually score, you know. And I, I, as you said earlier, I do find it interesting that we are being linked to, to wingers more more now, but yeah, I, I feel like the, the Salah link especially is quite interesting. So, so... We'll get back to Salah, but Grealish or Sancho, 80 million, who would you pick if both was on the table? If both were on the table, Grealish or Sancho, 80 million. 80 million all in. All in. Man. It's, it's, a, it's honestly a tough one. It's honestly a tough one. It's honestly a tough one. I, I, I generally can't answer that. I'll come back to you. I'll come back to you. But I want yeah, to come back to me. I'll, I'll think about it. Come back to me. I want to answer. Um, Tipson, I'll run through the, the players that I mentioned again. All of a sudden linked with Salah. Um, Liverpool seem to be in financial difficulty. They've been, they've been linked with Sancho too, so maybe that might be a replacement. But we were linked with Salah, linked with Hazard, linked with Sancho. I don't think we've been linked with Grealish yet, but Grealish is said to be available for 80 million. You can even bring in your own players that maybe we've been linked with or maybe that you'd want in an attacking position. What are your thoughts on us bringing another attacker? away from the striker into the club? And if so, who would you bring in? I am not for it at all. I feel like it's just overkill at this point. When we get the centre forward that we're desperate for, because that's the form, that's the position we're, that we're desperate for, we're probably going to automatically add someone else to that list of people who play in that those two 10 roles behind the striker because Havertz needs to play on a regular as well. So he'll probably s- slot into there. Now, if I had to bring someone in, um, 
whilst Jack Grealish is very enticing um, in terms of, and he's probably getting close towards the peak of his powers, um, Jaden Sancho has done it at a higher level for a longer period of time, despite being um, several years younger. So um, the fact that he's got an affinity to Chelsea, he knows the boys at, at England level um, and him kind of being, him, him kind of being at that superstar level, um, and being so close to Callum Hudson-Odoi could be the spark Callum needs to kind of go, I need to knuckle down and get get stuff straight. He's probably, you, he's probably the pick. Would you be worried that if Sancho comes in, that's more danger, that's more harm for Callum Hudson-Odoi's career at Chelsea? Absolutely. But at this point in time, um, I think he's in imminent danger of stagnating anyway. Because... Um, would we would would you really be shocked if um three years time Callum Hudson Nadoy is like twenty um twenty two going on twenty three or twenty three going on twenty four and we're still talking about have when will we see the the Callum Hudson Nadoy? I'd rather we get um they bring someone in and make it clear um you're not the guy we thought you were and um, we let the guy go and we see how his career plays out away from Chelsea. Fair play, um, Babs. Back to you, bro. What are you saying? Yeah, I'd go Sancho, but a great. I I do agree with what um Tim said in terms of um it creating a bit of a mess in terms of like our our choices because even then if you add him and you demote a choice even further on, that means a Pulisic probably goes down as well because let's be honest, he's not going to start over Mount because Mount has been better this season and he's probably the better player. And personally, would he start over ZH as well? Who knows? So I do feel that it would. Bringing in one player made them out two players because, as Tim has said, Havertz would have to drop down as well, and one of the others would have to drop on it again. So it does create a potential mess. But I'd go with Sancho. Yeah, not necessarily. If we are looking at a winger rather than a striker, then that means Havertz stays up front, right? So it doesn't necessarily demote two players. But Timpson, I think what he alluded to is that maybe we've had the project of Havertz up front where we're eventually... Oh, yeah, sorry. That's, that's what I meant. I, said, um, I, mean, I mean, if we brought a striker in, that's what it will, it will do. Yeah, I mean. okay, okay. So one, one of the interesting things that I've noticed is Mount barely ever played in the double pivot and now he's playing in the double pivot more and more. Potentially, it's because Tuchel's looking to the future and he wants to get another attacker in and that means that Mount can't play in those attacking positions because we are talking about a mess and how do we clear up the mess? Maybe he's looking at a Mount in midfield more. So my question to you before we move on to the next thing is, what do you think about Mount in the double pivot? I'm not a big fan of it, personally. I'm not a big fan of it. I don't really feel like that's where like, his, his game excels. If he was playing midfield free, I'd understand it because he's the kind of player he likes to get forward. Mm-hmm. So to play him in a double pivot, you, you kind of leave the other centre mid centre mid at danger of like not having a, a, an option to pass to. Mm-hmm. We saw it against Fulham, you know, where he was getting forward a lot, and he left Gilmore on, on his own at times. But he, he 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 got a bit back later on the game. But in the top level games, he may not get that chance again, you know, to, about, to get back and. What, what about Arsenal? Because we saw him in the second half play double pivot. How do you think he did then? Yeah, I mean, he was all right, but. He wasn't really going to get tested when they were sitting back, you know, and, and not really trying to attack, if you get what I mean. Hmm. Timpson, what, what do you think about Mount in the double pivot? Maybe maybe it is, this is just me surmising, that maybe, not surmising, it's just me kind of um, projecting that potentially Tuchel's doing this more because they've sat down with the, the board and they're, they're looking to bring in another attacker. So maybe fitting Mount in the double pivot is a way to kind of get him in. So what do you think about Mount in the double pivot? 
Yeah, he could do a job there. He could do a job anywhere, really, because he's that committed. But <laughs> is that really the best um, use of his abilities? Not really. He'll do a job there, but it's for me. Um, you need to give him a box-to-box position, uh, if not put him closer to goal um, in like a central or half-space attacking area. But I think he could definitely influence. I think he's better um, left side of a of a mid of a flat midfield three, to be honest. Okay. All right. All right. So we are linked with Verratti as well, and the reason why I asked that mid- midfield thing is because Kante injured, Kovacic injured. We've had to play Gilmore. Gilmore got dragged. Gilmore stayed um, to learn under Tuchel. I doubt he'll be staying under, again to learn under Tuchel because what that means is not many minutes. Um, Kante, new contract talks. Jorginho, new contract talks. Kovacic signed a new contract recently. He's going nowhere. What do you think about the Verratti links? Babs? Personally, I think they're absolutely insane. As good as a player as he is, I think you've got to be absolutely insane to, to go anywhere near him because a lot of people already complain about our, our injury problems of our players and if you if you, if you know anything about continental football anything about PSG you'd know in the last couple of seasons Verratti hasn't even started 30 games for them in the league he probably hasn't even started 25 like the guy every season has like some sort of some sort of dodgy injury even right now as far as I last checked um, after the City game he's, he's got a knee injury again so, I mean, if you want to risk it and pay God knows how much for a 28-going-29-year-old going midfielder, fair enough. I do agree that people, that when they said that he adds quality, but I don't think we're in any way necessary um, um, shape as a club whereby we can be able to afford to pay that kind of luxury free for a midfielder that's not going to be available all the time. I think that's insane. Because he's not, he's not going to be on small wages either, you know? And you're probably going to expect me to say yes because he's replacing Jorginho, but I've got, I've no. got to be honest here, like, and... I've got to say that if I'm looking at another midfielder, if I'm looking at another midfielder in that double six, it would, it would definitely not be him. Definitely not be him. Okay. Um, tips, and do you have anything to add on Verratti? What is he bringing that the rest that we can't find within our existing midfield um, or adding in some players on loan? Um, I think we already have players in the books that would give us everything that he gives us um, in some com- in some midfield combination, whether it's a two or three. That's all I'll say. All right, so that's a nice little segue because I've heard rumours that Gallagher is determined to stay and fight under Tuchel. He's gone down. Um, I've, I don't know about Ampadu. I think Ampadu came back to the league with hopes that he could convince Lampard um, at Sheffield United. Their team's gone down. Loftus-Cheek, who he said that Sarri was his favourite manager. And when Lampard got sacked, he almost took some shots inadvertently by saying that he likes to be able to trust his manager. RLC uh, RLC seems like he was a Sarriista. He lacks possession football. I feel like he thrives in possession football because his game, whilst it does have that dynamism where he can change it and kind of burst forward, his game does suit a slower possession type game where he does lay off a lot of the time and then springs into action. Um, Those three players are players that are going to be coming back to Chelsea. We've asked these questions before, but I want to ask it again. Who was the third, sorry? Ampadu, Gallagher, 
Loftus Cheek. Okay. Um, do you have any hopes for any of them having any meaningful impact on Chelsea season next season? Um, due to the culture and the way we are as a club, no. Mm. Both because I don't really, as much people are like giving praise to Lampard for youth integration, I, I still don't, I'm still not like fully swayed in the fact that we're, we're actually going to be able to commit to that um, fully. You know, a lot of people are excited to see um, Livermento and Andrew in the, on the bench in the last two games. But for me personally, the way Chelsea are, the way fans are, like, the, the, I'm not going to lie, some, some, of, some of our fans disgust me because they, they, they'll, be, they'll be screaming for these youth players to come in. And the first time they drop a stinker, you, you know what they're going to be doing? They're going to be screaming, oh, look, Ampadu's not good enough. I want Declan Rice. Oh, Gallagher's not good enough. I, I, I want I want, I, want, I want this player, I want that player. And it's just it's just insane because the, the same fans that are going to be saying, oh, you know, we've got to give them a chance. We've got, we've got to do this, we've got to do that. They're going to be the same place to tear them down. Like, look at Tamori. People are literally questioning his actual attitude because he didn't play for the last year. Like, like, what do you know about his attitude? Like, look at him at Milan. He, he's Duncan and Ronaldo. Mm. He's Duncan and Ronaldo. And for me personally, these fans don't deserve shit. Sorry for my language. They don't deserve anything in terms of these youth players because they will be the first place to hype them up and then they'll be the first place to tear them straight back down. Mm-hmm. Like, look, look, like, do you remember when Callum first came in? I don't know if you guys are like match fans, but they literally created a song for Odoi to, to stay. They created a song from to stay, I mean, they created a song about him being from Wandsworth, etc., etc., etc. And now look at him now. Oh, what did he offer the team? He's this, is that, he's that, the other. The guy just turned 20. He's still a child. He's younger than most of us here. Like, I, I, feel, I just find it insane. Like, and like, people are going to be like, oh, you know, let Gallagher come in the moment he has a bad game. Oh, this is why he's not starting for us. This is why he needs to go on loan. This is why he needs to do that. I just don't think like fans at this level of football, where we're trying to compete, you know, I don't think we're, we're patient enough to allow for these players to play. And for me personally, for them, for their sakes, I, I, I want them to go. I, I, I would rather them not stay if they're not going to get consistent football because I don't see them being starters, you know, in the in the current Chelsea team because we're being linked to these big names already, like Verratti. You sign a Verratti. That 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 brings down Gilmore and that brings brings down Gallagher straight away, you know. And, and I think it's insane. I think it's I think it's generally insane. They're, they're just links to variety, so we can't necessarily take it seriously. I think Gallagher um, is a Tuchel type of player, totally committed, you know, totally every training session. You know how Tuchel loves to say that shit. I think that he he might like Gallagher, and I think if Billy Gilmore wants to go out alone and Gallagher comes back, I think that he might be that fourth midfielder um, if we do continue with the double pivot. I echo everything that Babas is saying in terms of our fan base being sickening. Um, No patience, goldfish memories. Um, It's okay to be reactionary, but in the long term, you kind of keep your head a bit. Um, I don't think Chelsea fans do that. Uh, Loftus-Cheek, seen as the future, so quick to discard. We're so quick to discard. That's not necessarily what the way that I see a football club. I see development. I see sticking with people. If we are going to be this academy club, you know, that we are trying to project ourselves to be. I don't necessarily think that Tuchel is a bad manager for academy club. I think he's ruthless. I like, I like the ruthlessness because as much as I'm someone that wants to integrate the academy, I'm not someone that wants to baby the academy. I think there's a lot of babying with some players. We talked about Hudson Odoi before, how when he came in and he was the only player playing, the media was on Tuchel for not playing any academy players like Hudson didn't come from the academy. So it does seem a little bit of one rule for one, 
Rumble for another. I do feel like Gallagher, he has the intensity to impress a Tuchel. When you look at the PSG teams, he had the workers um, and he appreciates the workers. So I think that Gallagher may be able to um, convince Tuchel. But Timpson, what's your thoughts on those three? Ampadu, Gallagher, Loftus-Cheek. Ampadu, I'm sorry. Um, I think it's another loan, honestly. Uh, maybe he gets the courtesy of a preseason under Tuchel. Um, I'm not sure of about even that, but I think it's another loan, um, especially if Frank Lampard ends up becoming Crystal Palace manager. Um, Gilmore, I think, um, especially if he misses out on the Scotland squad, even particularly now that um, they've got increased capacity in the squad, um, if he misses out, he will be. I think that will it that will impact him. And um, once again, he could be a big target if um, there's a viable loan option available um, in like a, a Crystal Palace. Um, then I feel like I, I hate saying Crystal Palace again, but Conor Gallagher. Um, for those that don't know, he was um, he did a medical. He was he was meant to go to Crystal Palace um, this season. Uh, like he did a medical, um, it was all sorted from a social media perspective. He's from London, of course, so he would have stayed in his family home, been close to his missus, but um, Crystal Palace um, opted to prioritise a striker and they took Michi Batshuayi on loan instead. Probably a decision that uh, both parties regret. Um, Michi Batshuayi has not been very useful um, and now Conor Gallagher's got a relegation on, on his football in CV as a result. Um, he, if Billy Gilmore... I think if Billy Gilmore goes on loan, Conor Gallagher has the opportunity to um, be that fourth midfielder. But even then, um, that depends on uh, Ruben Loftus cheek because um, Tuchel already has um, an, an, a knowledge and um, affinity for um, Ruben Loftus cheek So he'll definitely get that look in pre-season because um, he's not as easy to shift on loan or to just get rid of outrightly because of the size of his contract. So um, yeah, Ampadu, I think it's a, I think it's a loan. Gallagher, um, Gallagher might get a look, but it depends on what Ruben Loftus cheek is doing. Um, Gilmore, I would probably I, I would expect to go on loan just because um, he's not going to kick on. Um, if he has another season like he had today and lost his cheek, I think he will get a look. Um, and he and if Tuchel likes him, he'll he'll be that fourth midfielder. Okay, so but that that's your assessment of what might happen. I'm asking more. What would you want to happen with these three? Is there any of the three where you would actually say, actually, I want them to stick around? Everyone goes apart from um, Ruben. Okay. Okay. All right. So you mentioned Lampard Palace. Um, before we move on to listeners' questions, what's your thoughts, guys? Lampard Palace. I know it's a Chelsea um, podcast. Lampard, we've parted ways with him, but obviously he's part of Fabric of Chelsea. So, do you think it's a good move? And if he does make that move to Palace, um, how do you think he'll do, Babs? Hmm. <laughs> if, if I speak, I'd be in big trouble. <laughs> what can I say? Hey, I wish him all the best. I wish him all the luck. You know, go, go do that, go do your thing. If you get relegated, I don't know, Sha. If, if, you, if you get Europe, I don't know. Listen, I don't know, he's not my manager. All I can say is I respect him as a player. That, that's all I can say. You know, like, if does he deserve the job? Obviously not. Do I think he'll do a good job? Obviously not. But this is a manager that, that, conceded, that conceded 60 goals, you know, mm -hmm. with, with, with a defence and keeping our going to the Champions League final. Like, right. And I feel like, 
And I feel like to 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 do this and to hire a, a manager like this, knowing he's not going to have the checkbook that he obviously needs to, to impart his ways, mm. and he hasn't had the experience to, to man manage. Like, I think he's insane because you go into a Crystal Palace, what you don't understand is like the the, the whole culture around there, like. As as we've discussed, you know, there's there's like that there's, there's this there's this flair for resurgence going on, you know, with, with like the signings of players like Eze coming through now, and like you know, you really, you really had Zaha there, like that's Zaha's club, you know, at the end of the day, like, and if Lampard wants to do that whole oh I don't like fixing tricks with Zaha there, big, big man, you're gonna get run out. You, I'm telling you right now, the, the guys at Zaha, they're not gonna pick you over Zaha, and I don't know, like for, for me personally, I feel like it's it's a recipe for disaster, and. Yeah. If I was Palace, I'd stay well, well clear. If I was Lampard, I'd still wait well clear as well because as a manager, he needs to go, go somewhere far, far away, you know, low league somewhere, go learn how to man manage, you know, you know, learn how to coach, you know, because that, that's that's important, you know, Frank. <laughs> you, you probably didn't know that, but hey-ho, you know. And he needs to go and learn these basics because you look at Oli, people call him a PE teacher. You know, they've said, oh, he's had 12 years experience, but Listen to what I just said there. He's had 12 years experience. Mm-hmm. That's 12 years to tinker how he wants to with players. Mm-hmm. He's probably he's probably fucked over players in, in the long term, you know, like he's like Lampard has done with like Tomori or whatever. But that's that's besides the point. But these those 12 years to develop his foundation of how he wants to play, mm-hmm. how he has relationships with players, how he's able to deal with boards, how he's able to deal with fans, these are things Lampard doesn't have. Mm-hmm. Like, like Lampard tries to do an intensive course of man, man of, of coaching in two years, and I'm sorry to say that's just not how it goes. Like he was offered the Ipswich job, and like my mate's a season season ticket Ipswich fan, and he was saying Lampard when, when he was told about the budget, he just said that oh no, sorry Uncle, Uncle Harry, I, I need a better job than that, and he got the der- the Derby job, and he was able to get whoever he wanted alone. And at Palace, you're not going to have those funds, you know, to, to make these kind of signings, and not just that, but. You look at the the, the the makeup of the of the team. It's an aging team. It's an aging team, and will he have the the man manager to do with these players? You know these big personalities. I don't think so. And for me personally, I, I, if I'm Palace, I'm staying well, well clear, well clear. Cool, Timson, Lampard, Palace. What are you saying? Um, it'll be peak for him when he realizes that it's not the championship, so you can't. You can only have one Chelsea loanee uh, per season. Um, <laughs> He leaned heavily on like Tomori Mount, and there was even talks of him getting uh, possibly even Ampadu on loan in this derby season. Um, I would be cautious if I was the Crystal Palace hierarchy because um, they've had this this level of consistency um, in regards to not being too close to the a relegation battle. Would you want to risk it for a manager with? Um, pretty much two years, two, two, two and a bit years experience. Um, I would also be curious about how he would deal with um, fitting Eze and Zaha into the squad. And he won't demand that level of the same. He doesn't have that legendary status at the club. Um, obviously, he's a legendary footballer as far as Premier League and in England standards go. But there won't be people like throwing roses at his feet like he's Prince Arkema if he goes to Crystal Palace. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Okay. All right. Um, that's interesting. I'm not going to give my opinion on Lampard at Palace right now, but if he does go to Palace, good luck to him. I don't necessarily think it's a good move for Palace. Uh, I, I agree. I think that Lampard should go away, um, to, even if it's Scotland, just somewhere where he's got a bit more rope to experiment. 
think that will help his management if he really wants to become a top manager. Um, so the Arsenal game, coming back to it, coming into the game, we just we played Real Madrid twice. Um, and obviously that was a big thing beating Real Madrid in the second game and qualifying to the finals. Then we had City to play, another big game. And I think by the time Arsenal came out, we couldn't even prepare, I couldn't prepare mentally for the Arsenal game. It was like, shit, this came out of nowhere. And so when I'm in that mindset, I've noticed with Chelsea that probably the players are in that mindset too. And it's difficult to always be up for games. And I think apart from the fact that we don't play four attackers anymore against clubs we're expected to be, I think that it might come into it too, where with the big games, I remember Tuchel said, we have to close the gap. He said it with C, that we have to close the gap. And I think the interesting thing is the Leicester games come in and are we going to be mentally prepared for it? The final, this is a final, this is a chance to win a trophy. So Babs, um, coming into the Leicester games, just your quick thoughts on it. Um, what are your thoughts for the game? Quick thoughts. Um, I look at Leicester. They're not exactly a team that ever really impressed me in terms of the way they play. At times, I feel like they're they're very the best way to explain Leicester for me. They're a very functional team. Mm-hmm. They know they know who's good at what and they know who does what. You know, like you have Ndidi there to break down play. Simple. That's it. He's not going to be there to pass. You have Tielemans there to progress play. Simple. He's not going to really be there to to be like ending attacks and like breaking down play. You know, you have um Luke Thomas and Albright and spreading play. That's it, done. You've got Iheanacho and Vardy like playing off each other. Like, I don't really think they're that much of a free-flowing team. They're a team whereby they know whose strengths are what and they know how to, how to utilise it, you know? And I feel like that's what you need like, to, to be in the round top six. So that level there and the way and the kind of team where we are as a top four contending team and the players that we have in terms of quality, there's no excuse but to, but to beat them back to back. Because I don't, I'm not really impressed with them as a team, you know. And I feel like you have a, you have the time for a cup final, you have a time for a league game. And if we're being honest, we actually have the advantage, you know, because it's a, it's a game at Wembley. You know, we have a lot of experience there, and it's a, and it's a home game at the Bridge. So for me personally, despite us having a bit of a shoddy, you know, record of, of the over the last two two odd seasons against Leicester, I think there's no excuse but to win. Aren't you worried though? Because I feel like mentally, it's easy to get yourself prepared for Real Madrid. It's easy to get yourself prepared for a Manchester City. These mm. are the games that we seem to be doing well in. Yeah. Leicester, people expect us to beat them. I don't think that they're going to that games thinking, oh, no, Iniacho, Vardy. Do you know what I'm saying? So are mm. you worried that this is another potential slip-up? Um, I, I would be worried, but... I don't know. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling confident, man. I, I don't really see much reason why we shouldn't be winning that game. You know, Harvey Barnes is out. James Justin is out. Their best centre-back in Johnny Evans is out. Mm. So, I mean, if we even look at their form of recent, it's, it's been poor, you know. They literally, they let, they let Newcastle score four goals against them. Mm-hmm. Like, they, they couldn't even beat Southampton. Like, they struggled to beat a, a C-team United. Like they, for me personally, I, I don't see why... There should be any excuse but, but for win. Not saying that you're making any excuses, but because mm-hmm. I understand the frame of your question. And I, mm-hmm. and I do agree with it that in terms of the teams you've played, when they are low opposition, you know, the Wolves, the Southamptons, the Leeds, you know, the teams like West Brom, like these kind of teams, like these have been our, our, our banana pills, even, even Brighton. Mm-hmm. But I feel like with it being a final and after just having that, um, 
humiliating, like being brought back down to life against Arsenal. Mm-hmm. I feel like the players are going to have to step up, and they will step up. I've got four, I've got four confidence they're going to step on, and two shots not going to get it wrong back to back. Okay, all right. So do you have some questions for me? Just because Tipson has dropped off, so I'll be answering, and obviously you can chime in. Okay, no worries. So um, I'm going to start off with a couple of questions from the Discord guys. Guys, again, shout out them guys there. You know, it's a, it's a bubbling community. The, the conversations are always interesting. Just interesting the podcast points of view. And yeah, so um, the first question from West Sadgan. Um, shout out him. He is an right. avid listener of the of the podcast. And he said, "Who would be an ideal strike? He'll be a, he'll be an ideal striker replacement at Chelsea since Tammy's off, as well as Giroud, in my opinion." Uh, which um, creative player realistic would you want at Chelsea? And the reason I'm asking that question is because you've already asked uh, me and Tim about our opinions on our attack. <laughs> and within that, you didn't actually give us give me an answer, so I'm going to have to bring that back to you. Are you going to throw it back on me? If of I was to shape not. this attack, if I was to shape this attack, I would, I'm, I'm going Grealish over Sancho. Um, I just feel like Grealish is one of those players that makes the whole team play better. And I think we need that. As much as Sancho can assist people so he can get the striker playing. I believe the whole team plays better with Greenish playing. And I feel like this team already, people are scared of what it can do. With Greenish as a fixture in our team, and I do believe another good thing is that Greenish will be a fixture in our team. He's not young. Do you know what I'm saying? Tuchel lacks experience. I believe he'll be a fixture and almost a leader as well. Um, I believe if we can get him, I'm very excited for what we'll do, not just in the domestically, but in the Champions League again next season. And I think that we've come to this final. No one had hopes of us coming to the final this year. But it will be good if next season we staff as one of the favourites and we still make it to the end as well. So I think Grealish, if there's any player of those that can do it, I think Salah. And I think Grealish are the, the ones that can do it. Salah for the goals and Grealish because I believe that he makes a whole team play better to a whole another level. Yeah, agreed, agreed. I do, and, and you would say that I do think Sancho does help a team be better because if you look at Dortmund without Sancho this season, like their form literally went straight down the mud. And the but, moment he's come back in, where know, I where I disagree is that 100 Sancho can make a team win in terms of there's a difference between performance and actual um, results. And I believe Grealish, the whole team plays better in terms of the fluidity, the passing, et cetera, because they've got a leader. The same way with Hazard, everyone looks to Hazard and they think it comes through him. I don't necessarily think Sancho is that same player. I think Sancho has got a bit of it. I'm not taking it completely away from it, but I think with Grealish, it's a whole other level. And we see it. We've seen Sancho play for England. We've seen Grealish play for England. When Grealish plays for England... Mm, agreed, agreed, agreed. England look great. And I think that a, a Grealish in Chelsea, you should be excited. Yeah. Well, for me personally, I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be against either of them. Mm-hmm. I think maybe just for me, I just have a bias to Sancho because I've been. I've, well, he's a, like a he's a friend of a friend, so to say. So I've got like a bit of a. I've got a bit of a bias. Organized, organized interview for Patreon, bro. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. Um, next question uh, from Piscilla Piscilla Wack. Um, I know he's um, a bit of a villain in the Patreon. He wants to know um, who would you have as an ideal replacement for J Five. Um, and he mentions two names in um Kakaret from Lyon. I'm a big fan of him. Who? And he also um Kakaret, um Max Max, I forgot he's Maxence, Maxence Kakaret from um, Lyon, okay. the, the DM. 
yeah, I think I've, I've sent a couple of like his um, highlights into the, into, the, into the group chat at times. So like, I, I really do enjoy his game. And another name he's mentioned is um, Locatelli. And I haven't really watched any of them to be honest with you. So um, I've, I've I guess the question. So I guess the question is just, just in terms of like who would you have as like a J five replacement? Uh, I'm not replacing Jorginho. I want him to to sign a new contract. Um, you're asking the wrong dude. You're asking the wrong dude. Look at yeah, that, that's what I asked. <laughs> Locatelli, Locatelli looks good. Locatelli looks good, but Locatelli comes to the Premier League and he probably gets slandered too. Aquilani came to the Premier League and he got slandered in terms of his play. Like Italian, I think deep line playmakers are likely to get slandered. Like the people in this league, unless you're scoring goals or you're assisting or you're mad fast and you're winning tackles. Because even though Jorginho does win tackles and he does the defensive work, he still gets clowned. I promise you, Locatelli is a good, like Locatelli, he does switches. Um, he's got a good shot too. He's a bit, his build is there. He's got, he's strong too. So I think that's what people are looking at as well, as like, okay, cool, Jorginho is weak, but this guy's tall and strong. Um, I, I like Jorginho. I think Jorginho, even that in that mistake that he made, you see like he was beating himself up. I think his mentality is elite. And that's what I've always loved about him. And like people would like to project saying, oh, what does he do? And you just, he's not even a good passer. Like, I feel like in terms of what he does, he's so all round in what he brings to a team. Um, I, I really rate Jorginho. I've always rated Jorginho. I keep him. I think that he is one of the reasons why I've been doing well. Again, people are quick to forget, but the intensity that he brings and everything that he brings, whether it's defensively, passing on the ball, et cetera, et cetera, in terms of playmaking, not necessarily assists, which people are just, you know, that's not really playmaking, that's not really deep line playmaking. Locatelli um, and the other guy, I'm sorry, I haven't seen much of it, but a lot of these people are saying about true DMs, miss me with that. Miss me with that. A true DM for me is a, a deep line playmaker. Um, so yeah, I'm happy, I'm happy with, as, as you call him J5, but what I've come to know is anyone that calls him J5 probably doesn't like him. I refuse to comment on that at the moment. <laughs> um, so two more questions before we end the show wrap up. Mm-hmm. So um, question for you from, here from Oruro um, on Twitter, shout out to you, don't have to say your name, apologies for that. So he said he wants to know um, what, our, what your opinion is on our scoring issue. Do you think it's poor finishing or do you think it's low transpiration? Before I ask you that question, I'm going to say it's definitely a low chance creation. I think it's the quality of the chance we're creating. Mm. That's my answer. And um, yes, I'm going to leave that with you. I think our attack is poorly put together. I don't think it's the finishing thing. I think you can have people like Salah, who's not a good finisher and score goals. I think with Werner, um, you have to kind of allow it. When someone comes to a new league, they're not necessarily going to, you know, score loads. They're not necessarily going to be like Aguero and score straight away, like he did. Some people need, like, with Werner, I haven't written him off as a goal scorer in the Premier League. I haven't. But I do feel like currently, in terms of our attackers, the people that I think are more likely to score, they don't get on the pitch. I think at this point, Werner is an assister. I think that Mason Mount isn't a regular goal scorer. Um, I don't think Pulisic is a regular goal scorer. Um, so we just don't have anyone that, like, I think Giroud, honestly, if he played up front most of the season, he would get goals. But I think we don't have consistency in fact. That is the issue, in my opinion. It's not chance creation. It's not finishing. It's we lack consistency in attack. And it's the same way 
uh, with Lampard when he was changing the defence and we couldn't get a good defence together. So someone must have whispered to him, try to keep a stable defence. And then we, even on Lampard, we had a better defence. Even on the Lampard who, you know what I'm saying, it was proven he's not 55 goals. That's not good, is it? But in terms of conceded, but he kept a bit of more of a stable uh, defence. And then obviously we score. We look at Man City. They really don't have, they've kind of really been similar in terms of the rotated their attackers. They don't really have a striker right now. And even though they've got more people in double figures than we do, you can see that Man City needs to fix their attack too. And I think that if we want to fix our attack, we need um, a bit of stability. And sometimes stability, like if we buy Lukaku, he'll play all the time. Doesn't necessarily, like we might have just played Tammy and he might have got 18 to 20 goals, but Lukaku, if we buy him, he'll get that stability, then he'll get 18 to 20. And everyone will say, oh, actually, look, we've improved because Lukaku scored 20 goals. But really and truly, we've just had someone that plays week in, week out. We do have a mess and it's down to Lampard trying to get too many tools rather than, because obviously he's a new manager, rather than creating a refined um, array of attackers. I think what's interesting with Tuchel is who he keeps, who he sells. But the problem was with Tuchel as well, he likes an array of attackers and he likes the, um, I think he likes to switch up. So it's interesting. Those two strikers going might be a good thing for us. We, we probably don't need to sign two, maybe just sign one. But um, if we can get stability, then we will do better. I don't think it's a creation issue. I don't think it's a finishing issue. Fair enough. Fair enough. And last question from um, Josh Nash. Josh Nash. Um, he wants to know if you're given an opportunity to bring in two players for any positions, what positions would they be, and who would you be? Who would they bring in? Who would you bring in? Being realistic, um, and he says in brackets, realistic prospects preferred. If I'm to bring in two players, I think defensively, I'm fine goalkeeper I'm fine midfield I'm fine I'd rather bring back Gallagher as a fourth midfielder the attack I'm not fine I'd have the attack I'd ship out players I'd ship out players I'd ship out ZH I'd bring in Grealish um <laughs> I'd, I'd ship out I might ship out Pulisic and bring in Sancho. If I could sign two players, that's what I'd do. Um, neither of them are goal scorers as such. I'm happy enough with Havertz, even with that miss. I know it's what it's, I think fan bases, they just think about the last game and therefore Havertz is the worst finisher, but he's shown that he can have good finishes. He's not the finished product. But I think between them, having an attack of Grealish, of Sancho, of Mount, of Havertz, of Hudson. I think I've already said it, but just in case I didn't. I think I think between them, having those as a four, like well, I think that's enough. And then obviously some people might say, okay, that's too ambitious. If we can't get Grealish and Sancho, then I'll get Grealish and Buendia. And then I think that's what I'd do. And I think that sorts it out. And I know a lot of people will say, oh, striker, striker. I believe striker, striker too, but what I would do at this point, um, just because I think that the striker market is this summer, everyone's going for a striker, and I'd rather not get a sub-pass striker or get the third or fourth choice striker. I'd rather just sign good attackers that are going to... Like I said, I don't think we've got really a finishing issue. We've still got Werner as well, I forgot. I don't think we've got a finishing issue. You can be 
Salah and Mane would miss high chances and still score loads of goals. I don't think it's a finishing issue. I think it's a stability issue. And so I'd clear out the mess. And then with Werner, I'd use him as a squaddy. I'd start Grealish and Havertz regularly. And then with Mount, Hudson, those guys, I'd, I'd use as, as a squaddy. But I, like, you asked me on the spot, so I know even that doesn't necessarily make sense. But yeah, I'd sign Grealish and then Sancho or Grealish and Buendia. Fair enough, fair enough, and yeah. So, guys, that is the show. Thanks for listening. As per usual, remember, you know, we have the we have the Patreon offering. You know, we we don't really advertise it enough. You know, <laughs> sarcasm, but you know, like guys, like Dan and Tim's have an amazing Saturday show every Saturday. They, they talk not just Chelsea but all things football. You know, it's, it's a good two hours of content. You know, we've got pre-match previews, we've got post-match pre- previews. We've got Sky reports coming soon, you know, in the summer. I know you guys are loving the whole, like, yeah, I know you guys love the transfer window, you know. Like, we're either going to have, a, we're either going to have, like, a Euros watch maybe, you know, to see, like, a couple, like, who's the young player in the bout, you know, because everybody knows, like, when international tournaments come about, there's always that one player that everybody wants to hype up. So, you know, guys, you know, thanks again for listening, Dan. It's, it's always good, it's always good talk with you. Thanks for taking us out, bro. Hey, peace. Hey, nice one. European champions! Sports Social Podcast Network.